Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osban, here with my friend in Chabruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yuma, daf Yud Zion, page 17. Well, this is a cute little short daf that really talks a lot about the structure or layout of the temple itself. And the Gemara here begins with, you know, trying to sort out the contradiction that we have between a Mishnah in Tamid, which says that this Lishkat, you know, of the lambs was in the northwestern corner um, of the uh, Hall of the Fire versus um, this Mishnah in Midot, which states that it was in the southwestern corner. And before the Gemara offered on Daf Tetzayin an opinion that maybe these were just two different opinions from two different Tanas of what the layout was. Um, but now the Gemara wants to offer a very different uh, version of, or a different answer. So Rav Adza Bereza Rav Yitzchak Amar. So Rav Adza, the son of Rav Yitzchak said, so that chamber, right, this chamber that we're talking about, the chamber of the lands, extended actually towards both corners of this western side of this hall of fire. But for somebody who was coming in from the north part of that chamber, it looked like it was more to the south. And from somebody who was coming in from the south, it looked like it was more to the north. So you sort of had, and maybe one of you is using a, a Gemara that has a diagram, that it sort of was a Lishka chamber within a room, but the chamber didn't actually hit any of the corners itself. It sort of stood in the middle of that room itself. And then Rav Azza goes on to say, Umistavra de ma'arvit dromit habe. Now we could say that actually this, ch- this chamber, the Lishka, was more in the southwestern part, from how do we know this? Because we already talked about this contradiction between these two Mishnas that we had before that was discussing where the Lecham HaPanim was actually uh, made, right? So the Mishnah in Midot said that put put that chamber for the Lecham HaPanim in the southeastern corner of this hall. And the Mishnah in Tamid um, doesn't actually say where the location is itself. Um, so, you know, so they were trying to sort that out. Umash Ninan, right? And we said, Amar Rav Huna Bereza Rav Yeshua. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua said, Mar Kachashiv Derech Yamin, that one Tana, meaning the Tana of the author of the Mishnah in Midot, was talking about or listing out all of these Lishkot, of all these chambers going from left to right. Umar Whereas the Tana who was in Tamid, he was actually listing out the chambers going from right to left. And so therefore, the reason why we have a contradiction is because it's not so much that these were laid out in different places, but the order of how we, they, we were presenting them, right? One person is going left to right, like it's basically going clockwise. That's the Mishnah in Midot. And the Mishnah in Tamid is going counterclockwise. And so therefore, it appears as if the chambers are in different places, but it's really just what order or, or, or how you go about sort of designating them. Um, but, was, but what was interesting to me is, is then the Gemara goes on with sort of a, another interesting point here, which is, is that they talk about the avoda, that anything that needed to be done always went from right to left. And so they sort of have to solve, therefore, is how is it that you could have that a Mishnah would go from left to right when the Avoda always has to go from right to left. And so the Gemara concludes, I skipped a little bit here, 
Honey Mealy Vaboda, right? This rule about right to left only has to do with the temple service, like with actual Aboda itself. But here, right, when we're talking about just sort of going through or listing all the different chambers, you could actually go from left to right because it's not actually talking about an Avoda itself. I, this was sort of an interesting answer to me and one that I was a little bit surprised that the Gemara actually entertains. You know, I thought we sort of resolved it on the previous stop. I like the answer better of saying, okay, these are two different Mishnahs written by two different Tanas. And we spent some time talking about yesterday that I felt the Daf there was really trying to, you know, underscore this idea that different Masechtot even could really just be a representation of an entire different opinion or Mahalich of, on a topic, right? So, you know, that we, you know, that one could be Elazar ben Yaakov, right? And Midot, that's whole his idea of what, you know, what the dimensions of the temple looked like. And the one in Tamid could be somebody totally different. Here, the Gemara really wants to deal with a different way. Here, the Gemara wants to sort of say, no, everything needs to be consistent. And they go as far as I actually think to try to create the consistency by giving an answer that is actually a little bit funny. Because if we would say that the avoda always needs to be performed in a right to left fashion, it would sort of make sense that anytime you talk about anything, it would always be done right to left, even if it's not the avoda specifically but anything temple related is right to left. So I found this answer to sort of, uh, it didn't sit as well with me. I, I kind of like the answer that was presented on yesterday's DAP differently. Um, but, you know, it's it's a good attempt, I think, if the Gemara wants to land in a place by saying all of Mishnah is really holistic and really presents one viewpoint, I guess this was as best of a solution as it could come up with. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that it's a little funny because forgive me but i found it to be hilarious um and i mean no no disrespect of course not but the reason i find it to be hilarious is not because of the different kind of resolution that it is right or the the need to uh, make things align in a way that yesterday yesterday zaf was willing to let stand separate but the fact that like that if this were the case meaning if all it was a matter of doing was just kind of like turning your head you know turn your paper around and you'll see it the other way i feel like why is this in the Gemara at all? Why is this even a discussion? There should have been, it should have been so patently obvious that there would have been nothing to discuss. So on the one hand, I feel like, so maybe it really was a different order, meaning that it really was talking about the same corner to the same corner had a different function. Or why is this here at all? Well, I'll, I'll end with one more thing and then I know you'll get on to the second part of the DAP. Um, but I think this also is a reflection of Mishnah is really oral. And if you were writing this in a book, there wouldn't be any confusion, right? Because you'd write a diagram or it would be very clear. And the other impression I got left with this stuff is how oral this tradition is, right? These are words that were repeated, but they didn't have good physical representation either on a page, like that just didn't exist. There was nothing, you know, no diagram came along with it. And so you can really see because this is an oral tradition, why this does get so confusing. And particularly for somebody like me, and those of you who learned a room with me know that I'm very not a oral, like I'm not even a visual learner. So anything that has to do with space is very difficult for me to visualize. Um, my kids will tell you this because I get lost everywhere. Um, <laughs> Waze was like the best thing that ever happened to me. And I still get lost even using Waze. So, you know, for someone like me who doesn't, I, I, I you know, to me, I think, the point of those oral traditions of the Mishnah was just to at least have the content down. 
but the actual like visual description of it is not present in those actual words. Okay. So assuming that this is true, that there was no like, you know, bulletin board, not bulletin board, you know, whiteboard and blackboard next to them where they could just quickly jot it down for the audience at that moment, then I'm with you. Then this, your answer now sits well with me. The fact that things could get confused simply by virtue of the orality of the recounting of the Mishnah, reciting of the Mishnah, I, I think that makes sense. I think that that answers my, oh, but this is hilarious. Why don't they just look at it and figure it out? Um, I, I think you've done a good, I think you've shut me up. I think that, you know, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's come to the second Amud here. Amud Bet. Now, this, as you as you mentioned, this is a very, very short daf. When I was preparing daf Ted Zion, I kind of kept going to Yod Chet. That's how short Yod Zion is. And then I realized, uh oh, let's go back. So, what we have here is really a discussion that is completely separate from everything that we've just been talking about in terms of the layout of the Beit HaMikdash. We talk, we're talking the next bit on Amud Bet talks about, um, and it re- refers back to the Mishnah, of course, um, is that the Kohen Gadol chooses the portion that he wants, and he gets to choose any portion that he wants, and the Gemara then has a few questions on this. So the Kohen gets to sacrifice, he gets to choose which portion is going to be the Korban and which Korban is going to which um, which Korban is going to go first as far as he's concerned, right? And the the I've seen commentary here that says, you know, he could he could be dealing with chataot, sin offerings, he could dealing be dealing with an asham, which is a guilt offering, right? And in those cases, really, he takes the whole offering. So then why is this even a discussion of saying which goes first? Like What's the prioritization here if he's going to end up with the whole offering anyway, dealing with the whole offering anyway? And the answer that I've seen says, well, there's also a difference between a korban that is for the tzibor and a korban that is that of a yachid, of an individual who comes to offer, or if it's for the on behalf of the whole uh, the whole of everybody, the whole tzibor, the whole congregation, that will have impact on how much leeway the kohen gadol has to, gets to choose. So in any case, the chazal go on, right? They say, he could choose, how does he choose anything, right? So he says, this Ola, right, this korban that's a burnt offering, I'm going to sacrifice first, or this Mincha I'm going to sacrifice first. Why is this relevant? Because most of the Kohanim, at least as I understand it and as I infer it from here, most of the Kohanim who are doing whatever their job is for the given day, and I know we'll come to this in later Masechtot, um, actually I'm not even sure because it might be the Masechtot that really just have Mishnah, but okay, fine. Um, the they have a lottery over who's going to do what job when. And the Kohen Gadol is not subject to the lottery. He gets to decide. So when it says Barosh, when he gets to decide first, it means, you know, completely outside the confines of the lottery that sends everybody else to whatever direction they need to go. So then the Gemara wants to know, how does this work? How does he take the portion that he wants first? Omer, I'm going to eat from this chatat. It seems very simple, but I think that the declaration is essential, again, because it separates, it puts them aside, sets them aside from the rest of all the Kohanim who are doing whatever they have to do in the Beit HaMikdash. Asham zan yochel, maybe from this Korban, uh, what do we say, Asham? A guilt offering. chala chalot. Chala, so this is interesting, I found. You can take a chala, meaning a loaf of bread, from the two loaves that are offered from Shtei the Shtei Lechem is the carbon that is offered on Shavuot. We're coming up to that. Right? 
ארבע או חמישה ממעשי לחם הפנים, he could take four or five of the loaves of the 12 loaves that are set on the shulchan for what is called lechem apanim. In English, that is called the shoe bread. Shoe, S-H-E-W, not shoe like for your feet, um, which means that I, I always understood to mean that it's on display, but I, I'm not really sure if that's accurate. Um, Regina, do you have a definition for shoe bread? No, I do not. I mean, it's the bread that was there, but the that's never been a good English translation. Right, exactly. So in any case, but there's 12 loaves of the lechem upon him, and this says that he could take four of five of them. And the Gemara goes on to say, why, when would you take four and when would you take five? Rabbi, Rabbi Omer, this is Rabbi Hunanasi, says, he should always be taking five. He says, well, the moment you've got um, the Pesach, there's a verse, right, in Vayikra Kavda 24, that says that Aaron and his sons will eat in this holy place, right? And what are they going to eat? They're going to eat from this bread. So what that means is, or the implication, the Gemara here says that's half of the loaves, meaning half of the 12 were given to Aaron, right? Or whichever Kohen Gadol comes after him. And then half were given to his sons. But then what happens is the Gemara explains later that really only 10 of the loaves were ever distributed. So that two, I guess, stay on the Mizbech. So then that means that five went to Aaron and five went to his sons. And so then that's always going to be five and not ever four. So the so just to pause for a moment, right? The What's going on here is that the Kohen Gadol is entitled to certain of the provisions that come from the Karbanot and come from the other um, food offerings and and food. Um, what do you call the Lechem Panim? It's not exactly an offering, but whatever, right? The food items of the Beit HaMikdash that are part of the Avodah at, at large. But then the fact that he, and the fact that he can cho- choose first, I'm sorry, the fact that he can choose first does not throw me at all. He's a Kohen Gadol, he's outside the lottery, that should be fine. What happens though then is this, is, and he can take this many. And when you think about, you know, 12 loaves of challah, on the Mizbech, on the I'm sorry, on the Shulchan. Now, I am not sure that what they had for their for each of these loaves was what I think of as you know like wedding challah, you know that big big challah that is ceremonial and is cut, you know where there's a big ceremony as opposed to whatever other bre- bread by people might have on the table to wash for a wedding feast. Um, but sometimes we have these like massive chalot and they are official. So. Were the chalot in the Beit Hamikdash really that big? I, I don't have any reason to think so, although perhaps, right? But in any case, I don't think that they were tiny miniature rolls either, because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about lechem upon We'd be talking about, I don't know, some small some word that means small rolls. So that when we have when we say he could take five, I keep thinking, or that he ought to be taking five. I keep wondering, like, what exactly is he going to be doing with all of this bread every single day? That's my one question. The Gemara has a different question. The bright itself is difficult, right? It's a contradiction on itself. Because beforehand, meaning what I read a little while ago, it says he would take one chala from the two chalot, from the lechem abadim, from the, I'm sorry, from the shtelechem of Shavuot. Mani, who is that according to Rebbe? He, it's according to Rebbe Hudanasi. The Amar Palga Shakyo, Rebbe says that he could take half. But then you say you could take four or five from the lechem upon him. We're no longer talking about shtei lechem. We're talking about this shoe bread. But then isn't that going to be according to Rabbanan and not according to Rabbi Huda Hanasi? Don't we have a conflict of views here to begin with? The the bright claiming or 
thinking that this is all the one view is a contradiction in terms. The Amre Loshik Shakil Palga, because the Rabbanan did not say, uh, I'm sorry, the Rabbanan say that the coin the gadol does not take half, he takes less than half. That's how you get to four. But if you so you could say that one view is Rabbanan and one view is Rebbe, and that solves it. But if you want to be consistent and have the Mishnah be simply the the view reflective of the view of Rebbe Yudanasi, then where do you put Rabbanan? And and so this is you know a challenge to this whole claim of how much of the Lacham Hapanim the Kohen Gadol can take of his own accord. Well, I think to me, the unifying theme here of this stuff is, you know, what tools are used to um, to basically try to solve these types of contradictions and even seeing how they do it within a Mishnah or Brisa itself, uh, you know, is, is interesting to see, you know, to sort of present a solution where it'd be like one opinion for the beginning, a different opinion for the middle and another opinion for the end with no name attributed, again, it makes me think about just how this was all orally transmitted. And maybe it was just the recitation or the preservation of the opinions that were uh, important. And, you know, you were supposed to sort of work out how that all fit in sort of later on for yourself. Um, okay, I think that works. I think that makes sense. Yeah, does it? I don't know. I, I have a lot of questions on this stuff of sort of, you know, structure and purpose of Mishnah. Um, just, in other words, like, what is it preser- preserving, particularly when things are not attributed with a name? Okay, that's also a fair question. And the other thing I would say is that we're not done with this story. This daf is so little, in short, in terms of the actual content of the daf itself, the, the words of the Gemara itself, we've got more coming. Certainly, we've got more coming on this question of Lacham Apanim. And I believe there's more coming also, your Dana, on your Mishnah issue. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.